Welcome to episode number two of the Tennis Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frosto. And in this episode, I wanna talk about what it was like working as a performance analyst with the pros for USDA player development. So for a pretty long time now, right, USDA player development has gotten a pretty bad rap for trying to develop professional tennis players, the amount of funding that's allocated towards it. People just seem to have complaints left, right, front and center about USTA player development, how it's run, what they think people need to do, this, that, and the other for a long, long time now. So I guess one of the main questions is, are any of those points valid? I'm sure there's validity in some of the points that have been made for the last couple of decades. There absolutely has to be, right? There's some validity, but a lot of the people that are crying and whining the loudest about USTA player development not doing this, that, or the other on the men's side, especially, have never worked in the organization and they have no direct experience working there knowing what the environment's like. It's all just hearsay. And that stuff to me really isn't reliable. I actually worked in that building for almost two years, worked hands-on with the pros, with the coaches that are coaching the pros for the USTA. My job as a performance analyst was to break down technique and match film and then review that stuff with you know top juniors, professional tennis players, and at the bare minimum, their coaches, and then their coaches could make the decision if they were going to pass that information on to the players. So how the heck did some random guy who had been teaching tennis at that point for about 15 to 20 years end up as a performance analyst for the United States Tennis Association and doing this hands-on work with our best prospects in the country? You're probably asking yourself that question. Sometimes I ask myself that same question. It's okay. I was able to get myself in that position because back in 2004, I came across some video analysis software that did side-by-side comparisons where you could talk over it and draw on it. Now that's standard stuff that you get on your phone, right, in 2021. But in 2004, almost nobody was doing that type of work. So I invested in software, bought myself a digital video camcorder, which took the little tapes at the time, and got out there with a laptop, and I would live record my students, and I would download video clips from tennisplayer.net. John Yandel, you little shout out there. And I would download clips from tennisplayer.net and I would do side-by-side comparisons of the best players in the world next to my own private lesson students. And I'd try to break down what the key technical checkpoints were in every single stroke, forehand, backhand, serve, volleys, return, everything. And I would show them their technique and strokes next to these players and just try to focus on you know, maybe one individual part or component that I wanted them to work on and visualize and see. Because again, when you're striking the ball, we really just don't know what we look like. So before I even got hired on at USTA Player Development, I was already doing pro technique analysis and establishing technical checkpoints and parameters on strokes since 2004. I had 10 years of experience before I ever stepped into that building. And that's what gave me a huge leg up on other people. This is before you know everybody was out there filming strokes with their cell phone. That didn't really start to happen probably till 2011 or 2012. I was also using an app at that point. We kind of fast forward back to 2011 called Tennis Math. And I'd have my students playing in their lessons, playing sets against each other. And I was already doing stats and data using this app, Tennis Math, that was free, you know, tracking first serve percentage, aces, errors, you know, different things like that. So technology wise, I was trying to get ahead of the game in every capacity that I could. And at that point, I was seeing really, really good results from my players. I had players that were playing once a week that could play with players that were playing four times a week because 
We were processing data and technology and using not just technique analysis, but using match analysis to help kids develop faster and better than some of the kids, you know, that were in the local area that were playing a lot more, but didn't have those assets behind them to help them improve their game. And also at this point, because I started to get a lot more comfortable, I had 10 years of experience behind me, I started to work on technique analysis for lower rank pros, pros that were ranked in the three and four hundreds on the ATP and WTA tour. And I was doing analysis behind the scenes for players like that. So when the job opening came open for USTA player development as a coordinator of coaching, education, and performance, which is basically a performance analyst, I jumped all over and I decided, hey, I'm going to apply for this. I've been doing this now for 10 years. I feel like the results are excellent and that I'm very confident with what I'm doing. I've established parameters and checkpoints for technique for strokes. I'm doing match analysis. Let's apply for this and let's try to get this job. So I was fortunate to get my foot in the door because I had experience doing stuff that people weren't quite doing yet or they just started to do it on their cell phones. So I felt comfortable that I was walking in with enough experience to be comfortable in that environment. I was super fortunate, got hired on in early 2014, was super excited. We ended up moving down to Boca Raton area in Florida. We actually lived right in Delray Beach. It's a beautiful area and super excited to start the position in the job. But I'll tell you this, walking in that door the first day, I'm like, oh, here's our new video guy to work with our current guy. And it was intimidating. I had worked with professional tennis players and a lot of high-ranked juniors and done a lot of analysis already, but it was still intimidating to walk in. And, you know, there's a bunch of top 100 pros just training and working and going, and you're going to influence the direction of their game. I was a big technique guy, right? And I'd done some match analysis stuff with my own students that was pretty basic using that tennis math app. But I didn't realize walking in that building how deep match analysis went. I had zero experience really, really breaking things down. They were using a software called Dartfish. They still use it to this day. And they were basically breaking down match play and you know categorizing errors and different things in the court like that that I wasn't familiar with yet. I didn't know you could physically hit buttons on you know an iPad or on your computer and then be able to bring up those little areas of the match that you want to focus on. So if I just want to see all the forehand errors in a tennis match, you go through, you manually tag that, you hit the button every time one of those happens, but then you can actually go back and watch just those 12 or 15 forehand error clips. I didn't know you could do stuff like that back in 2014. I was unaware of that. So Dave Ramos was my immediate boss at the USTA. He walked me through how to actually go through and tag a tennis match for the first couple days that I worked there. I needed to basically learn how to use some pre-existing, they're called tagging panels, to actually go through and tag these points of data and be able to work on matches. I was super familiar with technique. I had done the basics with tennis math, but I never gone through and actually used a software like Dartfish in terms of tagging a tennis match before. And one thing people in this country, in the US, we don't even realize, right? We think we're the best at everything and that's okay to some extent, but performance analysis wasn't even something you could go to school for and be trained on how to do as far as setting up cameras, best angles to film from, breaking down match analysis, doing technique analysis. These are things you had to kind of go out and learn on your own. In other countries, they actually have programs for performance analysis that you can graduate from and earn a degree from because they know the value of breaking down game film. So before I could truly get started in this position, right, I needed to go in and learn how to break down match film using Dartfish software. So I learned on that, trained on that, got comfortable with it, and then started to build my own unique tagging panels is what they're called 
to start looking at my own points of data that I felt like really applied to pro tennis. So it was interesting. There's a buy-in when you walk in the door, right? People aren't just going to say, this is the new video guy, and we're going to start filming everything with him. First, you ended up really kind of starting with some of the younger players and coaches that wanted to work on development. You're talking about kids that are under 12 years old and kind of prove your worth there first, right? You just don't walk in the door and start working with every single player. You had to really prove that you knew your stuff, that the things that you were telling people could help them, not only the players, but also the coaches, right? And that they could go out and implement those things or decide if they were going to implement them and if they'd really be beneficial to those players' games. You're talking about walking into an environment, right, where you're dealing with a lot of coaches that are extremely good at what they do in terms of, you know, they've been a top 100 or 200 player in the world. They've won grand slams. They've played some of the biggest names in tennis at events, or they've got a boatload of coaching experience, or they're a tremendous tennis player from the past, right? That's retired now in terms of on the tour, but they also have a ton of coaching experience behind them. That's basically what you're surrounded with when you walk into a building like that. There is a base level of respect that you need to have for people when you're walking in and you know they could absolutely dust you on a tennis court. Does that mean they can out-coach you and out-teach you? No, but there's a base level of respect you have to have for somebody that accomplished things that you never have. And that was a great collaborative process for me, right? I'm walking in cold weather environment in Wisconsin, some guy they've never heard of that's got some YouTube videos up here and there that maybe they've seen. And you're trying to work together to get that common goal of developing male and female players that are going to be top 100 in the world or better, right? So there's a trust that has to be built. You have to sit down, show people, hey, I had to show people I knew what I was doing. Do I know every single thing? I don't think anybody knows every single thing but that you really know your stuff and that you can help players and you're not going to come in and screw up people's games. But after I worked with some players, right, that trust started to be built. And once that trust is built, people know they can sit down with you and you're not going to feed them a load of BS that's going to do damage to a player, right? So if you ask me personally what my experience was like working at USTA Player Development, it was a positive one. I got to do things there that I'll never probably get to do again, right? I got to film courtside at the US Open two consecutive years, 10 days at a crack. We filmed dozens and dozens of pro players and it's match play. You're filming match play. So one thing people don't understand as well is there's a huge difference between match play footage or can be and practice footage where these people might not be giving it their all. And you're getting to film match play footage and use match play footage to do comparisons of you know highly ranked U.S. juniors and U.S. pro players to do in your side-by-side -side comparisons. There is nothing like that. You cannot compare match play footage versus practice footage. There is a huge and significant difference. So getting to do things like that, right? Being right there, basically on the court, best seat in the house at the U.S. Open, incredible experience. And that's where people are going to ask the question, Jason, if working at USTA Player Development was such an amazing experience, so why did you leave then, right? Why would you give up something that's so incredible? No job is perfect. I don't think anybody's ever had a job working for somebody else where they felt like it was absolutely perfect and flawless. That's just not the truth, right? You're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs. There was a ton of travel working for USTA Player Development. When you're working in that role and you're a performance analyst breaking down match and technique film, well, guess what? That's not the only thing you're doing. We're also doing coaching education for the entire United States 
and doing three to four of those events a year, which were five-day events. So you've got other things that you have to do. You're consistently on the road. I was probably on the road seven to 10 days out of each month, right? Which puts a strain sometimes on your personal relationships. And with my fiance, she was getting homesick. I was getting homesick from Wisconsin. And there was this pending decision that all USTA player development employees needed to make as to whether they were going to be moving to Orlando to the new national campus or if they were going to be leaving the organization. So at that point, when we had to make a decision of what we were going to do, I started to look for other employment because we really knew we belonged in Wisconsin. At that point, we made the decision to move back closer to our friends and family in Wisconsin and have not regretted that decision at all. I enjoyed my time working at USTA Player Development. There are ups, there are downs. Overall, I think the direction of the organization is a lot better and a lot more positive for the future. If you look at the women's top 100 rankings, I think there's 17 women currently in the top 100. If you look at the men, I believe there are currently 10 inside the top 100. So more success with the women than with the men, but the overall direction, I believe, is a very positive one. And I personally think you're going to see better results from both the men and women development-wise in the next five to 10 years than maybe you saw in the previous decade, especially on that men's side. So I'm Jason Frosto for the Tennis Unleashed podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure if you want more free tennis instruction, just want to hear about tennis or review some of our videos to check out tennisunleashed.net. We've got a ton of free content over on our website. Check out our socials on Facebook. You can find us at Tennis Unleashed and also on YouTube at Tennis Unleashed. I'm Jason Frosto. I'll see you next time. We'll be right back.